Hello and welcome to Fake Movie Experts, the movie review podcast that breaks down a movie franchise one movie at a time. This week we're starting a brand new one, that one Ricky picked, and we are doing the Blade Runner franchise. So we're starting off with the first one, Blade Runner, that came out in 1982. I'm your host, Joseph Lesso. I'm alongside her here with the man that picked this franchise, Ricky Marcelli. I wasn't expecting it to get so rapey. You're, are you talking about the man that's <laughs> highly uh, average, Keith Sputland? Hey, I'm uh today. I'm just doing. I'm just average, average today. You know, just uh, you're extra average. Yeah, yeah. just um, the extra average. Put putting my pants on one leg at a time, trying to stay out of the rain. You know, I've always hated that fucking saying. Everyone puts their pants one leg at a time. Who's putting their pants on both legs at once? Um, um Jeff Bezos think- does. That's why he's a trillionaire. I would say calm down there, uh, Missy Elliott, with you can't stay in the rain. Yeah. See not, there. not liking this rain here for all the for all the listeners out there that really care. I've got a trip coming up here, going on a little vacation. And it's gonna be raining. I don't like the fact that you you are laid off and you call this a vacation from what is this? Uh you being laid <laughs> off. It's like I need a vacation for being laid off. Yeah, I'm um, going on a excursion. <laughs> there it is. There we go. Is that just called getting really high? No, 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 no. No. No, don't do that. That's uh, <laughs> federally illegal. There it is. <laughs> I mean, federally, but I mean, you're not you're not working right now, so that's not a, you're not violating anything. No, I'm free as a bird, I suppose. Kind of like the free, free as a dove flying off in the rain. I thought I thought he was going to use that thing as a fucking weapon. I thought he was going to hit Harrison Ford with that goddamn bird. So we are doing the 1982 Blade Runner. Came out on June 25th of 1982. That's right, 1982. Runtime of one hour and 57 minutes. It's directed by one. Where is he at? Ridley Scott uh, directed uh, 1979's Alien, 2000's Gladiator, 2001's Hannibal and Black Hawk Down, uh, 27 uh, American Gangster, 20, uh, 2012 Prometheus, and 2017's Alien Covenant, and 2015 The Martian. Wait, he, oh, yeah, he, he did Alien Covenant. The, I Wait, heard a fun. There was an alien movie after Prometheus. I don't remember that at all. It's the sequel to Prometheus. Oh yeah, I'm excited to get to that series. I love the Alien series, but I heard a fun conversation once about a just a quiz. Is that for a director to be great, they must have made two, like two great movies. Mm-hmm. And I think Ridley Scott meets that meets that measure. Oh, Especially I think he so. made like a handful of what's considered great movies. I literally just named off like six, and they're all out of the. Did he not do Aliens? Did he no, only do no, Aliens? That, that was James Cameron. Oh yeah. right, okay. Uh, Alien is that's my favorite one, and oh really? Most people go Aliens. Oh, they're two. They're very, they're very, they're very different movies. That'll be a fun conversation later. But one's yeah. a one's a horror well, film, and one's yeah, an action one's film. horror, one's action. Yeah. yeah, but like I, you know, I skip movies that he directed, like <laughs> Robin Hood. I think that's the. Uh, Oh, Russell Crowe one. 
Yep, it is the Russell Crowe one. <laughs> Men Become Lions. lions. Body of Lies, Russell Crowe and um, Leonardo. He did uh, Black Rain. The Oh, he did Thelma Louise. Did not know that. Wait, yeah, the he's... original Thelma and Louise? Yeah. Damn. This guy's been... Ridley Scott's quite... He's got quite an impressive career. He's, an, he's quite a character. He is. Uh, this movie stars one Harrison Ford as... Deckard, what is it? Rick Deckard. Rick Deckard. So we got Rick here and talking about Rick. Uh, God, Rick... can I just say early 80s Harrison Ford? I wouldn't kick that man out of bed in the morning. He was beautiful. He was. Well, this was like what, Joe, I'm sure you got it handy or Rick, you might know. What year was uh, Return of the Jedi? 80... Oh, I got it right. I got it right here. 86, I think it's off the top of my head. If I uh, oh, this is, uh, Star Wars New Hope came out in 77. And oh, I might be two years ahead of time. Where the hell is it? Uh, New Hope 77, Empire Strikes Back is 80. Oh, wow, and 83. Yeah, I he was did. Ahead. He, so, look at, oh, this, look, sorry, go ahead. I would say, look at uh, this is a from 1980 to 1984 run right here for Harrison Ford. Oof. Ready, 80, Empire Strikes Back. 81, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 82, <laughs> Blade Runner. 83, Return of the Jedi. 84, Huge. Temple of Doom. Just a, like a towering mega movie star. That's so amazing. Dude, how That's, exhausted must he have been after that, though? Geez. That's a lot of filming. No wonder. No, no, time. no wonder he's like kind of filming today as, as you were talking about. Like he already did it. He just like he did, he did, he did four <laughs> years of movies that will be like internally like beloved by almost everybody oh, yeah. he's just got like, for the rest got, of his lot you know he's got four rings on he just has as to... long as no one pays attention to the movies that they made when he's older um, <laughs> indiana jones ex- oh yeah he is an expendables three i forgot huh. about that <laughs> and there's an expendables four coming and me and keith's favorite movie that he's in six days and seven nights yeah that's easily his probably third best movie <laughs> third best movie of all time uh, <laughs> but seriously, uh, he was really really good looking in this movie doesn't oh, harrison we, ford just like get stoned a lot and crash planes yes he does yes he does <laughs> also what stars rutger hauer as roy batty he's the uh main android edward edward james almost as gaff and oh, sean that was, that was almost how we huh. teach these kids Oh god! So that was—I kept wondering who the fuck almost was playing, and I'm like, yeah. I don't see almost in anyone, and I now understand why because he was so covered in all that shit playing that character. And we have uh, Sean Young playing as Rachel. Do, do you guys know Sean Young's famous moment? No. So she is an Ace Ventura. <laughs> she is a uh, Elhorn. You know, she's a man, but um, oh, okay. But Sean Young's famous moment is she went on, I think, the Phil Donahue show. I mean, look it up right now. <laughs> Shit, she was also in the original Dune, too. She's been in. Okay. Wow. Um, however, she. God, she was good. Uh, yeah. So, um, where is it? Where is it? Oh, she was on Joan Rivers. She dressed up like Catwoman. Because she wanted to be in the uh, Tim Burton Batman. Batman movie, 
and she dressed up as Catwoman and was like acting all crazy and kind of, you know, like she lost it. Like Mariah Carey was on TRL. Crazy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Like that was the beginning. Like she had a whip and all that, that crap. Damn. And I guess that, like, that kind of hurt her career because of the fact that, you know, oh, she's batshit crazy. I mean, she's at least been working pretty steadily for most of her life. There wasn't like yeah. any more like major roles, mm-hmm. but she's been working steadily. Like she's got like a job a year, pretty much Since every then. year. Yeah. And also this movie stars Daryl Hannah as priest. Man, so. Daryl. Okay. I'll, I'll get it in now. Get it in Darryl. now. <laughs> Daryl Hannah was very like formative in my like, like puberty age really <laughs> seeing uh because you i think in splash you see her butt there's like a scene with her in yeah. the bathtub oh you yeah. mean that scene that they edited in for disney plus oh that's dumb really it's when she's walking back into the water that you see her butt by the way okay yeah anyways daryl hannah there's always this like beautiful woman in my mind so that was it's it's I'm, it's always nice to see daryl hannah she's awesome the weirdest thing to me in this movie is how it was full of people who have been acting for a long time and I've seen in like tons of stuff, but have never been like big actors. Like James Hong, I swear to God, has played that role of being some weird, like super techie, heavy, accented Chinese man. Oh, yeah. That was cool with the two jacket. <laughs> who has looked apparently that old since 1982. Well, he's now he's he's known in my mind, he's known as David Lopan from Big Trouble Little China. But he's also the uh, for me, it's the grandpa from uh, Balls of Fury, the blind teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that'd be a fun one to rewatch. That movie was awesome. It was but like that dude's been acting steadily for like forever. Man, yeah, this movie has it's got a bunch of cool character actors in this. And then movie. William Sanderson, like that dude's been acting for he would played the doll maker. Oh man, he was good. Like that, I've seen that dude in a ton of shit. Yeah, like watching this movie since it's so early, you know, before any of us were born, besides Keith, who was probably like 90 now, you know, it's just like I'm like, I've like I see the actor, I'm like, I've seen you somewhere, but where? Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm 90 yeah. years old. I mean, you are the oldest of the three of us. What, what was that? Was I like, like tripping over shit with a piece of licorice in my hand going down well, to the Keith, malt shop? Last time I checked, you are a <laughs> apex predator. And hey, <laughs> no, we're, no, we're squashing that now. We're, we're on oh, to a we're, new we're series. Squash- it's a new Keith. So remember, squashing- he, he fulfilled the GoFundMe to pay us off. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, that, uh, really so want to thank all the fems out there. <laughs> yeah, I would say. So, are you squashing the fems or no? The experts, y'all came through five hundred thousand dollars. It took me <laughs> to hire a PR manager, <laughs> who essentially just paid off Joe and I. And then I still just oh, I just went back to that website again, and they had to start all over. <laughs> Rick. Give us a little plot <laughs> breakdown before this okay. Apex Predator gets his way. Come on, I was killing it with that bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really weren't. Killing uh, those women. Killing those vibes. Ouch. 
Okay, so I really I had to write this one down. Usually I kind of go off the cuff, fly for these because I find that fun, but there was just too much in this artsy movie to do that. So here we go. Now it says four, but I now remember when six replicants, because two die trying to invade the Tyrell Corporation, steal a shuttle to get to Earth. Replicants being high-tech AI that looked and act human to almost perfection. Former Blade Runner Rick Deckard is called on to track down and retire their term for kill them. During his search for the replicants, Deckard discovers a fifth replicant on Earth who has had memories implanted into her to try to soften her approach towards humans. This is Rachel. After finding and retiring one of the replicants, Deckard nearly gets killed by another, but then gets saved by Rachel. All this after he basically informed the woman that she is in fact a replicant and not a real human. Deckard and Rachel fall in love or whatever that scene was. Deckard then tracks down the remaining two replicants, killing one and ending up in a duel with the leader that nearly gets Deckard killed. But right before he falls to his death, the replicant saves Deckard, goes on a soliloquy and then dies himself due to his short lifespan. Deckard then goes and collects Rachel, and they go on the run. Blade Runner. Holy shit, I didn't get that until right then. Blade Runner. The Blade Runnering. So but that yeah, scene. That's Blade I'm, Runner. I'm psyched you mentioned the last scene. As I was watching that movie again this morning. I forgot how like striking and beautiful that like monologue is at the end. So I was I did some like um googling for the like just, it's called the tears in the rain monologue and there's like a bunch of articles written about how cool it is on, online and it was that scene was just beautiful with the the rain falling and he just his, his died because his four years are up it's crazy so i'm going to say right now before we go too much deeper into this movie when it comes to watching movie keith is someone who watches basically every oscar movie every year because <laughs> like that's what he likes whatever it's his thing we don't judge people for their things as long as it doesn't hurt other people like when he's an apex predator um as long as they're like prestige high-end and young (laughs) joe and i are not those type of movie watchers (laughs) joe and i go john wick uh marvel uh ghostbusters uh like that's our kind of repertoire yep so like Hey, and just so they don't get it crossed, I'm not some sort of like high end bougie snob here. That's no, but you, you but just 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 don't don't want to. So I'm a predator. I'm 90 you years old. You have a higher I'm appreciation of art. I'm just <laughs> you saying you have a, a higher appreciation of artsy <laughs> movies than like Joe or I do. And Blade Runner is in and of itself, after having watched it, a much more artsy movie than I thought we were going to watch. Yep. <laughs> That was... I was expecting cool sci-fi. I got very heavy space opera. Oh, it's very like minimal, which is it's kind of neat because I think you could you could almost look at this because this if you like just kind of look at the plot that you explained, it's kind of an action movie a little bit. It's like he's got the he's got these moments, he's got these like bounties he has to hunt down or however they describe it. The androids, the with criminal androids that murdered the their replicants. Off-play. The replicants. replicants. Yeah. yeah. See, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's action. It's very much space noir. El- it, yeah, space noir. Yeah, it's very noiry. Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's what it is. It's space noir, which is weird because it's still on Earth. 
in 2019, which where the fuck are our flying cars? It's 2021. Where are our flying cars? Well, and something about, I think that this movie, whether it's on purpose or not, that does it right, is that like, they have like everything sort of sucks there like humanity is clearly not great in this story it's a very like grim dark sad world that they live in and like it sort of sucks having flying cars it seems like in that it's like it's really inconvenient like there's a lot of well, people it seems just like only cars. the rich and or police have them like everyone yeah. else still just has like regular cars that have been changed to like electric it seemed like that was everything like attached to them turned them into electric cars yeah all, all the technology is really interesting in this philip k dick world like in the in in the book at the start there's a thing called the the mood organ that they have where it's like it's like that world's answer to mental health so you like just plug your headphones in and you put in a you punch in a number code on it and you can dial up like reluctant happiness or like pure joy and you can like just plug in these emotions into your brain and that you know it's funny keith about that <laughs> is we were talking about before we went on that's kind of what like in a way total recall is because in more of a mindset of all right we want you to get away from real life so we're mm-hmm. gonna put in a fake fake life a fake situation for you yeah. that's what basically total recall is i but believe with- that's i believe that's also a philip k dick story i don't have the research right in front of me so don't 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 correct me if i'm wrong should i correct you or wait only- don't correct you if you're wrong no only tell me if i'm right oh okay trump I- he did write Keith. He had he he wrote he or he was a writer for Total Recall for like Minority Report. Yeah, Minority Report's a Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Anywho, as he seems to he seems to enjoy capturing this like really rotten late stage capitalism thing where everyone's just clinging on and humanity's sort of not doing well. I kind of appreciate <laughs> like almost the inference that something happened with china like mandarin or cantonese whatever they were speaking in the movie like is just a normal dialect like in some way shape or form china like either through huge immigration or some sort of war that potentially happened like the united states is now greatly influenced by china like it's just normal like the chinese population was really large the conversations like it was in and out with it like there was really good world building around this movie that was really fun and that part i really enjoyed yeah they do a lot of like hinting and showing not telling there's a lot of like well that that probably means this (laughs) so rick this was your first time watching this yes it was my first time in of any instance of Blade Runner. I haven't even seen the newest one, even though I wanted to see it when it originally came out. Yeah. And then Keith, this was your like second time or third? Second time. Because I watched it. I was telling y'all before the record in 2019, I decided to just be a cool guy and take up Blade Runner because I think the movie, the, the new one was about to come out or something. I mm-hmm. forget why. But mm-hmm. I, I was like, all right. I'm the new read- one came out in 2017, so I don't know how you're being a cool guy. Or it's because I didn't see it for a couple of years. That's why. And I was like, before I watch the new one, I want to watch the original one. And before I watch the original one, I want to read Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. So Which I, is I, what I, the movie is based on, for those who don't understand why yeah. he'd want to read that book. <laughs> yeah, it's this uh, uh, it's this kid's coloring book about these sheep that I it, it took me months to get through and understand it. Did you read it or did you have the audible? 
<laughs> one sheep <laughs> two one sheep. sheep two sheep ah, no ah. but that's uh for for any uh audiobook heads out there the do an android stream of electric sheep is a great audiobook yeah also audiobooks don't actually count as reading <laughs> that's a goddamn lie first off so. it doesn't you're not reading someone is reading to you yes, no, i'm it's reading a, it's I'm a reading passive, in my head. it's passively receiving it rather than actively receiving it mm. i would argue um, it's still good for you i mean it's better than say watching videos online all day but <laughs> it's better than eating cheetos i prefer First to off, eat how a, dare you i prefer to eat celery sticks with organic hummus <laughs> I thought you I weren't prefer- the froofy piece of shit you said you weren't. Oh, that's gonna be my new thing now. I think I'm gonna be a. Oh. I'm gonna listen froofy to Arcade key. Fire. Fucking like. Listen here, you damn millennial. You could buy a house right now if you stopped eating goddamn avocado toast every morning. Yeah, just, well, I love lattes so. And smartphones. That's my thing. What about uh? I, see, like I'm I'm the I'm your poor person. I'm like I would take uh my <laughs> celery sticks with just uh. Peanut butter. Thank you very much. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say ranch. <laughs> so Keith, it's funny you bring up cell phones. It's so funny watching movies from this time period <laughs> that do like Predict future, future stuff, and it's like they don't have cell phones; they have video pay phones, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm just like, that's wow, really missed the calling on what technology was going to be there. Like at least Star Wars, like had at least like something that was like. A cell phone like they had voice like handheld communicators like almost like walkie talkies that could go far away so like they had an idea well, but I'm... seeing a video basically pay phone I was like wow kids would not understand that <laughs> reference at all watching this movie like, wait a minute, I don't think they like, would go... understand a pay phone anyway you like go to the corner of the street into the pay phone and you FaceTime somebody yeah <laughs> I appreciated like the graffiti that was on the video screen too, because like payphones always had graffiti in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I, I I'm gonna do my little diatribe here. So this <laughs> is the first time I this is the first time I've seen this movie, and I will say it was boring. <laughs> I know Rick was you know what Rick was saying about how what type of movies we prefer and this this, and I'm like. I know of I know all the hype. I know it's like a cult phenomenon. It's a, it has a great following. All this and that. I'm like, I was hyped for it. I'm like, okay, Blade Runner. I've never seen it. I know of it. Let's do this. And then I watched it. And I'm like, good God, this is boring. Yeah, it you were like definitely you know, like, not a tight ninety. You yeah. weren't expecting like a. Uh... Like a, a a poem on like whether like the definition of humanity. <laughs> I, I was not. And have so, we talk of slavery and how it's wrong, even in Android form? Yep. So what I would say is this. So I watched it the day that when we were when we break down the movie one of these days is the Eternals. I just went to see Eternals. I and I saw this before we went to see Eternals. And I was like, okay, this movie is boring maybe that is not a good duo of movies to put back to back plot <laughs> twist yeah so i was like okay i'll do i did uh blade runner i'm like okay it's boring i assume eternals were do good and then i'm like after eternals i'm like i just kind of wasted five hours of my <laughs> life right there 
And you just spent five hours just being talked to and given like heavy amounts of like exposition yep. and world building and establishing. Yeah. In, in the case of Eternals, you got two hours of five people standing in a circle on a rock t- wearing Power Ranger suits telling each other utter nonsense. That's right. <laughs> um, but like, it's just like I'm watching this movie and I'm like, okay, so we have Rick Deckard the like cop that's retired but he's brought back in to do one last job to get all these uh androids replicants bless you which by the way that movie replica the keanu reeves one is on netflix you're about to say and that movie's better (laughs) and i and i'll probably say it is even though i haven't seen it no um so i was like okay we're following the replicants but then it's like that whole thing of like Harrison Ford's character's like, have you seen one of them? No. Okay, move on. Oh, I found one. <laughs> well, three are dead. Yeah, there and wasn't then, a whole lot of detective work. He just kind of like yeah, just walked randomly around. happenstanced around yeah, he did the, on them. He, he enhanced a photo pretty cool. Uh, that scene was pretty rad. I now understand where CSI got that idea. <laughs> and I understand where uh, Super Troopers got it from. <laughs> enhanced. Enhanced. <laughs> Enhance. <laughs> Say enhance one more time. Hey, speaking of Blade Runner, this is what I'm playing with during the episode today, guys. This That's is a, First of all, a... our audio listeners can't see when you hold something up to our video call. No, no, they can. They can feel it. Here, they can hear the cool noise. Eh? Hey, great. You have a switchblade. That's not... Uh, you know, you know what's going to happen? We're not he's watching gonna... switchblade. You know what he's going to do? It's not he's a switchblade. Switch... It's a folding knife. He's going to fold his knife into his wire and he's going to cut it. Then we're like, (laughs) he's going to ramble for like five. He's going to ramble for the rest of the show. And we're not going to tell him that we're, uh, we can't listen to him. That or he's going to Ricky Bobby himself. I'm pretty sure our, I'm pretty sure our dumb shit asshole fans can figure out. What a plot twist. What happened here, Keith? (laughs) Wow. He's turned on the experts. No, 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 fuck them. We legit like, we're like 20 minutes in. You've already turned on the fans. First of all, Keith. I'm the one who would know Cell Entertainment hates the fans consistently. That's been my bit since I used to do the wrestling podcast. So don't you try to fucking get on my goddamn kayfabe. Nope. I hope one of them fucking doxes me, comes to my house, and I'll stab him. Joe, he's gimmick stealing me. I don't, I'm getting gimmick stealed, right? Live on audio. Gotta keep it going. Otherwise, well, you know, (laughs) well, can't grieve forever. Let's move on with the show. So, uh, Joe, who gets it? Who gets what? The bit. It's a good bit. That's a good bit. I'll take it. I'll allow it. Can we both do it? If I mean, we, want, we can I'm both guess. just hate the fans, and then Joe's yeah. the good guy. <laughs> no, Joe is a good fans. guy. Feels wrong though. No, the fans helped you become uh, less of a predator. <laughs> <laughs> so you've now accepted the predator no- moniker. Yeah, I'm. I'm no Keith. less. Keith, you're not helping your your situation here. You got you're denying that you're a predator. Then you're accepting that you're a predator. Make up your mind. Listen, in court, I, I can't say absolutes oh, right now. This hey, is you're all... going to cry like that kid, you know? Can I, <laughs> can I see you cry? Hey, look, we've dated the podcast again. I just had to bring that up. I'm sorry. I saw that video. I'm like, what are you doing? So fucking fake. Fuck that yeah. kid. Um. So I. Um. Uh, so back to my thing. So <laughs> I don't on. like that. Back to my thing. <laughs> fuck this movie. Fuck, th- fuck this movie. Indeed, it's like one of those things of the fact that like I like. There are some good movies that like in my mind that like the good guy doesn't 
meet up or see the bad guy to the very end. But to me, because of the fact that Harrison Ford's character never really finds the bad guys until they, he does like, oh, I came across you. Or, oh, I came across you. He just comes across the bad guy for yeah, the very end, for like the final 20 minutes of this hour 50 movie. It was very bad hiding on their part. I'm also very confused as to like why one was stripping. Like, so they get to Earth. They've been there. They've never really established how long they've been there. But so they try to break into like the foundation that built them. The, what are they called again, Keith? Tyrell. The Tyrell Tyrell, Foundation. And um, two of them get zapped by an electric fence. I swear to God, the captain said that two of the men got zapped by electric fence, but apparently it was a man and a woman. So we're down to four replicants, two women, two men. One gets a job at Tyrell Corp to try and get close because I guess they want to talk because they want to talk to Tyrell essentially so that they can try and like not die after four years because replicants can only live for four years. They built it into their DNA so that if these killing machines go crazy, they can only kill for a certain amount of time, apparently. Well, and so on, on that note, I've, I, I can't take credit for the observation. There's something I was running into on my Blade Runner research. But that the idea that they, so there are these, suppose there's these criminals that come to Earth, but they only live for four years. And they are essentially have human emotions, like these Nexus 6 ones, especially. So like the job that the police and the, rep and the blade runners are doing seems a little pointless and i think they might like know it and that's like why they're all fucked up and depressed well technically they're well i mean outside of the fact that they killed what was it like 22 or 23 people to steal the shuttle that they stole yeah because it's just purely illegal to be a replicant and be on earth after like replicants killed a bunch of people a few years back and is it I guess then the question is like, is it okay that the 23 people were like potentially slave owners or something? Like, I think that's the debate. Well, but yeah, that's true. Cause it's the shuttle that they had to have been on. So like they just overturned all, but like, then it becomes a question of like, just because you're a part of it, like, is it okay to kill people who might like <laughs> not morally have been for it, but didn't do anything to stand up against it. Uh, the, the, these are the decisions that human minds might, might, uh, might be thinking about. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. that unfortunately still like pertain till to today <laughs> a lot stronger than we were taught when we were in school unfortunately <laughs> um so with this movie blade runner there's actually seven versions of this that's why i was before the show i was like let me see what version i i watched so there's the work print prototype version that came out in 1982 um that was like so we, bad there's only like one showing of it or something or maybe that um, was a later one there's one that was I, like only shown once and like only uh, one like real of it ever existed negative responses responses to the test previews led to modifications resulting in the u.s theatrical cut um then we had the san diego sneak peek version um, with this, it had uh, three additional scenes not shown before, but then these scenes were not part of the final cut. Then we had the U.S. theatrical cut. Um, then we had the international theatrical cut. Then the U.S. broadcast version in 1986. Then the director's cut. And then the final cut. 
So like every all these cuts have a different, you know, scene or something there, or you know, uh, the happy ending or a Harrison Ford voiceover to begin the mo- movie. Um, but was this uh, the just... first nudity since Predator Two? Um, so... let me break down the movie. Austin Powers yeah. has the almost nudity. Almost but not power. true nudity. <laughs> yeah. No, I was kind of caught off guard by the nudity in this one because it felt like it wasn't going to show, and then suddenly it did. And I was very confused. None in Fool's Gold. No one in Max Payne. <laughs> oh no, there was nudity in not another teen movie. There was a lot of nudity. Oh yeah, in not the, another the teen nude movie. Woman, the nude, mm. the, the nudist, the uh, I was Shannon. I was part of that one. That would have got it like three more stars. Probably. Um, it turned out during the filming that uh, Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott or Sir Ridley Scott uh, did not get along. Does Harrison Ford get along with anyone? It seems like <laughs> it, he I, fucking hates everyone. Especially Anne Heche. And you know why. <laughs> Keeps crashing that damn plane all the time. Oh, all the damn time. <laughs> See, the funny thing in real life is that it's Harrison Ford who crashes the plane all the goddamn time. Then he has his lawyer, wife, girlfriend, whoever, Ally McBeal. Yeah, but the um, Anne Hayes and Harrison Ford learn to get along and they solve their problems on the island and eventually they get back. So, yeah, that's true. Um, it's okay. It's like that weird thing that, like, I'm just confused on which and like, they're the replicants, like, what's like their purpose in a way? Like, you have Dara Hannah's character. That you meet, and then she is homeless to start. I think that was just a ploy to get close to that guy. Okay, that was all just a ploy to get close to the uh, The toy maker, so that they could get close to Tyrell. Yeah, Uh, and that scene of her running away from the toy maker and crashes into the car—that wasn't on purpose. Like that was just an accident. She slipped and slid in and broke it. Just stayed then, in the movie. Stayed in the movie. I mean, sometimes accidents are pure gold. Yeah. Uh, there, for Dara Hannah, there's uh, the scene of the fight sequence of her fighting with Harrison Ford and with her gymnastic skills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was bad. That was so dumb. Like, so, she had his ass beat and then just went, like, 50 feet away to do some sweet flips and get shot right in the gut. I think you so, can make sense because of that because they're all like they're they're at the end of their lifespan. I think they're like shorting out, kind of going insane a little bit. Well, I got that with Roy because like you know like he started getting his arthritis by his hands closing, yeah. and so he like sticks the nail through his hand Ooh, to keep it straight. Gruesome. Um, but that with Dara Hannah, yeah, with Dara Hannah's character though, that was you know it was shot by a gymnast. However. She was so exhausted by doing the scene so many times that if the original cut, if you saw that, it's a dude. <laughs> Very clearly. Doing all the, all the <laughs> flips. and So they edit it. Like, just put a wig on the dude and like, all right, do flips. And then we're going to say it's Daryl Hannah. There's a lot of stuff. And I saw this, funny enough, watching uh, Beetlejuice the other day, too. When these movies get upscaled, it shows like you can see very clearly in the 4K for Beetlejuice, like the wires holding people when they're doing jump stuff. Oh, that's funny. And like watching 
this and so upscaled like they do shots of mm-hmm. like the windows and i'm like i can fucking see the set design shit through the windows mm-hmm. <laughs> i watched um halloween f- um halloween 4 in 4k and like in the beginning of the movie he has bandages on but you can clearly see his face <laughs> in the bandages because it's just like so upscaled <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some movies that are not standing that test of time of being yeah. upscaled that did that were much better on uh, smaller, yeah. blurrier screens. Uh, Kate, if you were since you said you did re- read the book, do you remember any like comparisons, differentials? Oh, kind of. It's. So like, I think in the book, isn't it like only like five? It's roughly the same story in the book. It's like. The two essential bits that the movie doesn't do that the book has is like a, th- a main theme in the book is this idea of like artificial and like artificial animals and real animals. So there's this whole like through line, this plot of Deckard wants to save up enough money to purchase a real animal for his animals... wife because he's married in the book. Yeah, the, yeah, there's yeah, they, they, there's no wife character, but the animals are like status symbols in this new world so if you have and that's a real because animal, there was a nuclear war that wiped out a lot of the world yeah everything and as a part of this like rebuilding of the world like having a live animals like a huge status like essentially wealth gap which is a big oh, yeah. like underlying part of this movie that doesn't like they don't hit you right in the face with it but like it clearly shows you know some current time issues we have oh yeah the tyrell corp folks are doing pretty well and then the other one is this idea. There's this. Uh, there's the religion that they all have. It's sort of this consumer, sort of consumerist religion called Mercerism, where this guy you like strap on this. You strap on your virtual reality kit and you like hop in the world of this guy Mercer, where whoa, he's whoa, whoa. this like messiah figure walking up a hill. Are we talking never... Ready Player One or Blade Runner here? <laughs> right. Yeah, you're like walking up. The, you, good you movie. Just, you just not a good movie. Joe. <laughs> Come at me, bro. I liked it. To be fair, that is a movie that is like basically made for someone like Joe who loves so much of that stuff and callbacks. <laughs> that pop culture, baby. Yeah. Anyways, Mercer is this messiah figure, and then at the end, it turns out that it, it's all it's all fake, and that's like this big like disappointment for everybody. So it's the Mormon religion. <laughs> yeah, except the, the the Mormons do it a little better. <laughs> or whatever like- that stupid Tom Cruise religion is. Yep. about Tom lizards Cruise religion it's tom Cruise religion um i like the uh infra movie of the fact that you can tell who's a replicant or not by like the eyes hey, they do some cool eye shots i like yeah those. the uh ridley scott and they produce uh director of photography john jordan cronenworth Achieved it by inventing the Fritz Lang known as the shuffling process. Light is bounced into the actor's or actress's eyes cool. off a piece of a half mirrored glass mounted at a 45 degree angle on Jesus. the camera. Clever. It's funny because like they still have all of the AI like animals in the in the movie, but like and they have the one scene, which I guess is just like kind of an easter egg to people who read the book by having the replicant get asked like oh nice snake is that actually real and she's like like i could afford a real snake it's fake 
Or the, like, the owl part when they're at Tyrell. That that's another that's another Easter egg. The owl thing was super important. There was like a whole like chapter about the owl. Yeah. But um, in the movie it was just like yeah. fancy security, I guess. Uh, yeah. The the snake was um the actress's real snake. So oh, that's, that's funny. That was a cool. I, I I like the like the dancer backroom scenes in movies. Those are always cool. I was uncomfortable with how like that makes sense then that like the snake knew her because she was like very physical with that snake and like uh-huh. rubbing it in her own face. I'm like that thing's gonna fucking bite you. <laughs> yeah, that scene was. That, that Although was that was great. a constrictor, and a constrictor would probably wrap itself around her first yeah. and then bite her. <laughs> um, do you guys want to take a guess who was uh, thought of for this role? For the- Joaquin Phoenix. It would have been like two at the time. Yeah. Uh, Al Pacino. Hua. <laughs> yeah. Mark no. Hamill. No. Uh, Schwarzenegger. Okay. That probably wouldn't have worked for what was supposed to be like a smarter character. Not that Arnold Schwarzenegger is not a smart guy, but that's not the way he was portrayed in movies in the 80s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. I for it's just like I was saying this for me it was like I'm try I was trying to enjoy this movie like <laughs> I tried to like stay off the phone stay off any social media stay off anything tablet laptop whatever and I was paying attention to this movie but I'm just like I get it like it's 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 artsy but it was just like for me it was just like okay can we get something. I had to take breaks. Like if I found myself getting bored, I had to pause the movie and kind of like recharge so I could have a good focus on what I was watching. Cause like, I didn't want to miss things, but yeah, it yeah. would draw at points where I'm like, okay, I got to stop so I can refocus here. That's funny. Cause I remember when I, when I first watched, I, when I first watched it whatever, a couple of years ago, I was like the same day when I finished audio book in the book. So I was like just lighting one off the other, just going right back and forth. And the movie did come off to me as I was like, this, this, this is a little boring. Or when I first watched it, but this second time watching it early, I watched it very early this morning, a very early November morning. <laughs> Screen. Did you wrap yourself in a blanket? Is this a blanket movie? I did have a blanket. Actually. Oh, there you go. And you guys know this blanket. No. <laughs> yeah, I had a blanket and a cup of coffee and I was petting a cat. And um, it have been funny if you said you were petting a pussy. Yeah, just masturbating. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, excuse me? Huh? <laughs> hey, I'm a replicant over here. <laughs> no, um, that was a bad joke. Um, and I loved All it. your yeah. jokes are bad. <laughs> no, that one was offensive. <laughs> but um, it was the movie, and I, I was on my phone a little bit because it was fairly fresh, but it was still like the action was hitting, like that chase scene through the town with the dancer lady with the snake was awesome. Tell that weird like slow motion. The death scenes in this movie were very bizarre. <laughs> like when the guy got like shot through the face, like his head was his face looked so weird. Like it didn't look like it just looked like a big. He got a giant lump on his head. Oh, at the end? No, no, in the no, beginning, the, like the first uh, guy, that, other male replicant. Yeah, the other one, the guy that breaks out of the I men, can like fights Deckard and everything. Yeah. And kicks Deckard's ass. Yeah, but the the void comp test scenes were great. That that for that opening, the opening bit. That was great. I enjoyed that. Part. I yeah, like that, that, was, that idea. Like nail biting. Yeah. How how many questions did you get? About 160 or so. And when do you know? <laughs> about by four. You <laughs> know. Hey Joe, how many 
uh, as a part of our uh, game here, we should do how many questions would it take for someone to figure out if uh, we're human or not? Uh, probably about 180 for me. Damn, Joe, you're pretty robotic. Rick, how many questions for you? I thought it was the other. I don't know. It'd probably be like seven. Oh, they're going <laughs> to ask, like, like Keith, they're going to ask 160 or so. Yeah, they're going to they're find out by like, by, you know, number nine or 10. Well, like when I ask if I can have some of that boiled dog, if they were asking about. I would say how many scoops? <laughs> boiled dog soup. Yep. Uh, hey, good soup. <laughs> See, we just did some more visual entertainment there. Uh, no one will understand fans. but us. Nope. It's pretty nope. cool. I'm, 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 I'm running blades and Joe's eating soup. <laughs> good soup. Um, so like I was saying before, uh, Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford, uh, had disagreements about the script almost from the start of the movie. Uh, Ford hated the voiceovers that were in the early script versions, which he, they did not use suggesting that it'd be better to show most of the things, uh, without the voiceover explaining in order to give Rick Deckard some actual detector work to do. Um, Ford also found working with Scott quite frustrating as he just recently worked with Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Ford was used was used to directors giving him valuable input about his characters. However, Scott was primarily concerned with the sets and pictures. Uh, Scott maintained that Ford was a professional actor who didn't need the, his input. Lastly, uh, Harrison Ford was against the idea of Deckard maybe being a replicant. Filling it, it would undercut the human story of Deckard discovering his lost humanity. Because there are fan theories about there still out there that uh, Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford's character, is a replicant. I mean, I got that during the movie that it like yeah. were Blade Runners themselves just replicants that were made specifically to hunt replicants. I think it's. I think the. I don't think was- he. I don't think he is. <laughs> But I think like there was that bit there that you could question. Yeah, and I think the story's worse off if he's a replicant. I, I think that's a, not a great idea. But I can get what, where people get that from. Yeah, I think it would have been a cop out if it turned out to be that he was a replicant. However, well, at that point, did... it would just be like that theme of like, well, what's who you? isn't a replicant? Yeah, then, like, exactly. Like, yeah, it'd be like, yeah, just what's the point? <laughs> that's the... They did do like they did do some of the tease ones because it's like. Rachel Sean Young's character is like, are, are you a replicant? But he didn't hear the question. And then he's like, what was that? And then they, they moved <laughs> yeah. on from it. And then there's some shots of the camera, like him zooming in on his eyes at an angle to be like, ooh, is he, is it orange? But it's just, they always, they teased it, but we really got nothing out of it. Man. This had a real 80s relationship build, didn't it? Where it was just the man decides you're in a relationship now and that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I, let's, let, let's I talk hated about that, that shit. Cool, man. That he calls out a replicant being a replicant and the replicant doesn't believe it because in my research, it turns out that the uh, the Rachel character is supposed to be the niece of the owner of the Tyrell. Um, oh, Ford tells her that. Ford tells her like those are Tyrell's niece's memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so never she, actually told if the niece is dead or not. I think it's inferred. Kind it's of. In the, she is. That's in the book. Okay. 
Like the, the movie book. inferred that she was dead and that this yes. was like Tyrell's weird connection to his niece. I yeah. fucking in itself felt really creepy. Because Rachel is the memories of the niece who's dead said in book, but it's implied in the movie. And, and like I didn't really he- get the point of it. He's like, it's to cushion or something. But like I didn't like I didn't really understand why he put the memories in there outside of like Tyrell wanted to fuck his niece or something. I don't know. That's what I was getting with. But then, yeah, then, you know, I guess Rachel and Deckard fling, a.k.a. she comes over, she's attracted to him, and then all of a sudden it's like, let's make out. No, let's not. No, we're going to make out. And then (laughs) one thing leads to another. And we had a Keith with a minor. Hey, now we remember we figured that out. But no, but the the you Rachel, how to get away with it? Got it. The the Rachel Deckard relation. It's kind of it's it's kind of weird in the book too. I think it works better there. But there's this weird thing where like the I think Rachel like kind of weaponizes sex herself in that she like seduces Deckard and they in because if if they were to have sex with each other, then he cannot kill her being a replicant. Because well, that's in the this... books. Like, that's her entire job as a replicant is to track down Blade Runners and make them stop yeah. hunting replicants. Yeah, by like, yeah, building these relationships, and that's that's a little weird because like, I don't think there's like not a lot of debate that a replicant's emotions aren't real or not. So like, that's to have this. Thing well, I mean, where... it becomes a question of like, when does AI actually become? self-aware yeah and become like an actual person or like if i have sex with something can i then not kill it (laughs) i mean there's plenty of men who would tell you otherwise (laughs) right but no it's except for that scene like i kind of i I enjoy them together because there's no there's like there's literally no establishment as to why they get together like it's just deckard goes from being like yeah she's a replicant okay to like i'm madly in love with her like because she gets sad about being a replicant suddenly he's like i'm infatuated with her that she <laughs> he's think sad he, about he, being a human because she tries to prove a point by bringing photos over to his house and he's like this ain't you <laughs> bitch it's tyrell's niece he just wants to fuck his niece he's the harvey weinstein of the blade runner piece <laughs> he's the harvey weinstein of nieces <laughs> But, um, one one of the weird things about this movie is the toy maker. Dude, like, I all, love all, that character. He's so creepy. All like the toys he made. Dude, the it's creepiest pretty... one was the one that could keep like looking between them while they were talking really the, uncomfortably. With oh, like the, the one that was just straight up a person. It was a person, <laughs> yeah. and it had like a ball gag in his mouth or something. Yeah. Ball gag and a, like a Pinocchio nose. So yeah, that's that. That's one big gap between the book and the movie too. Is there's this character uh, Isidore in the book that I think they're a little bit going for with this toy maker guy, but they're both, they're, they're both have a, they were both deemed unworthy to go off planet based on some sort of handicap. And they both take in Pris to like shelter her and become infatuated with Pris. But yeah, the toy maker was cool. That the, like the aging effect on him. I enjoyed that. It was, I was disappointed that he got killed off screen though. They're just like, oh, he's running away, and oh, by the way, he's dead. I know he's he was pretty important. 
because like i was confused for a little bit i'm like did he die like he ran away and then like i didn't really clearly hear the line where they say that they found his body so like i didn't realize it till i was doing my like post watch research that oh yeah he got killed it was just off camera and you don't ever get to see it for some reason i feel like that would have been just as important as the tyrell kill oh yeah well and I don't know. I don't know why that got me thinking. Speaking of off-screen stuff, they never show the um, like. I I I think it's kind of cool. They never show like what it looks like off-world, like what the upper-class folks are doing up traveling through around in space. So well, they, that's because I mean it's different because it's not all hoity-toity. Like that's why they have the replicants though, is because there's a lot of like hard work going in and establishing colonies and all that. Like in the scroll, it's like. The replicants are basically like the first feet on the ground to new worlds to try and establish them for people to go to. Oh yeah. And I think even... it's more like less about being hoity toity and going is that like mm-hmm. for a colony to survive, it needs to be people who can survive like less than perfect conditions. Yeah. Well, and via slave labor though. And like, and even with the, uh, that with the tears in the rain conversation that I was talking about earlier, like just some of the like little stories he tells like just the hints of like the stuff that does go on out in space well he's like what i watched a a ship burn somewhere and like i mean because it really the question that you're supposed to be asking is like are they people or (laughs) are they just sophisticated robots and when does it become it go from being a machine doing something for you to actually being a being you're forcing to do an act like do they have like and that's part of the like the importance of the speech at the end is like they're showing that like we're people all we want to do is live oh yeah is that because in my things I, I just found like how um fans were there's disagreement between fans and filmmakers about why um roy the bad guy saves Deckard, uh, Deckard's life at the end of the movie. It's because he's lonely. And I would be careful to say he's a bad guy. <laughs> I think a- this, this world is much... You can't paint this world in, the, in that type of black and white. Yeah, This is definitely very much a world that lives in gray. Because, I mean, Literally like, think gray. about it when Deckard was in his car, like, trying to run reports, and that cop car swooped down on him. It was just like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be on the street. I'm going to fucking arrest you <laughs> until he showed his credentials and then the cop flew off. So it's very much a police state. I think this is the end of, I think we're seeing the, we're seeing the end of the world. In like this, in, in actual story. times or in Blade Runner? Both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of now in that, but I think that's, it's kind of a, it's everything seems futile. I don't know if there's any uh for any any Dark Souls fans out there in the world listening to this. It's very Dark Souls. Like you're like they're 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 walking this planet in this Blade Runner setting wherever it's like it feels like it's the edge of the end. Like they're about to fall off this cliff. And, like everything's about to die. And that's well, why I mean, the planet itself. Yeah. I mean, it's like what they're saying is the planet itself is dying. Oh, it's, because mm-hmm. of the actions committed by man. Yes. Because like yeah, because it's like one of those things. It's like for me, it's at the end, like watching the, and just seeing you know Roy do his spiel. Then, you know, you get the final shots of uh, Harrison Ford. You know, just kind of like 
what the fuck soaking it in you know i think more than anything it was a latch a last ditch effort by roy to to hope he's hoping that deckard understands and can continue his message Mm -hmm. because i mean what roy really want i mean they're trying to pin roy as the bad guy but in real like from a different point of view roy is a freedom fighter trying to free his people and just like actually get a chance to live and make free decisions and get to just do what they want to do instead of living in this forced internment in these short half-lives and man watching his watching the scene when the tyrell explains it's like literally impossible for them to extend their life it was so heartbreaking (laughs) it's like oh why can't we do this you'll get a virus you'll die yeah it's like i've done terror like and then roy like reflecting back on everything he did to try and get there and be like i've done terrible things like mm-hmm. roy in that reflection is showing that he's not like evil he's like i did terrible things to try and get this done it's awful and then it shows that tyrell is really the terrible person being like i mean yeah those were terrible things but who cares you've done amazing things yeah because mm-hmm. he looks at him as just a piece of, of technology humanity. He's like, look how amazing you've done. Look like, look at all the things I've programmed you to. And the fact that every person they go to, the eye maker, the toy maker, yep. going, hey, I made you. I uh-huh. made that part that's in you. Like, it's all talking down to them as things. Like, they're the always the referred to as things. <laughs> what was that, Keith? Oh, the scene with the guy playing with the eye, with the prosthetic yeah. eye. It was so cool. Like yeah, it's that, it's that weird thing that like it disproves, you know, even current day. It's just like, you know, you might want to try to use, do this or this, but it's always the corporate, you know, businessman that's the, the uh, true villain. The powerful and the wealthy that really have all the control. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like having these conversations now, I can see why people are like, because there are deep conversations you can have out of this movie. I still am with Joe. The movie was fucking weird. The movie was like a snail's pace slow. Mm-hmm. Like I'm afraid for the sequel. <laughs> it's crazy to me how even now it's still billed as like this fast-paced sci-fi adventure. Yep. Like when that's what critics complained about when the movie originally came out. And we're like, this is not what you build it as. So why did you bill it as? I would essentially assume they were billing it like against Star Wars. Like, hey, look, it's another Star Wars type thing. Was it a summer release? Uh, June twenty fifth. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, that's that's crazy. This, I'm, and we'll I'm, we'll see it later. But I imagine it probably did well. But that's interesting that this was like a summer action movie. Like that doesn't seem very. When it in fact now. was not. Yeah. This is like the... a February in the rain type movie mm-hmm. the genres for this was drama mystery sci-fi and thriller so no action yeah <laughs> those all fit i think like the most action we got was like the fight scene in the, in the streets the ending with like roy breaking deckard's fingers I would really say just the ending fight. Because even that fight yeah. in the streets was just Deckard getting his ass kicked. Ass handed to, yeah. And then mm-hmm. that dude getting shot through the back of the head. Like, there wasn't that much excitement to that fight. Yeah. Um, 
Where was it? I'm trying to see. I think there was like an end. The let me see if I can find it. But there's something about like the ending should have been like them and an old gym. <laughs> One thing that I'm annoyed because they establish it in the book, but they never establish it in the movie, is that Blade Runners aren't given free reign to just like mm-hmm. kill replicants. Like they have to prove that someone is a replicant before they can kill them. Yep. Unless right. unless they are attacked, and then Blade Runners can defend themselves. So like that kind of explains why, like, even though he knew like when he went to the snake lady, like he knew she was a replicant, but like he had to get his proof first until she attacked him. Well, there's it's... a whole sequence. There's a whole sequence in the book where the the replicants have created like this fake replicant police station. So there's this like whole community of replicants that create this like station that takes in that like looks for Blade Runners. I think is the idea of what they're going for. But there's a, where uh, and Deckard gets caught by these replicants and has to like weasel his way out of there. And that would have been a pretty cool opportunity for an action sequence. I think. Maybe less weird, rapey Rachel scenes. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, like, I think that's why, like, in when he does the replicate the questionnaire to Rachel, like, she even asks him, like, "Have you killed a, you know, have you killed a real person?" Which uh, is have actually you someone again another Easter egg because that's actually like an important theme in the book because they start questioning whether or not like the thing actually works. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's yeah. Even though they do eventually prove that it does work. But they questioned it for a little while. <laughs> um, according to the guy that played Roy's biography, the final confrontation between R- Rick and Roy was going to be a fight in an old gym using martial arts moves like kung fu or something similar. Uh, he disliked the idea, saying that it was too Bruce Lee and he didn't know kung fu anyway. And he <laughs> claims to have the cu- he came up with the idea of Roy's uh, uh, chasing Deckard at the end. Yeah, was that's- the idea. The, the way they did it's good. <laughs> well, it also makes more sense because, like, he's a highly, like, he is trained for combat. So, like, why would he be, like, trained in martial arts combat? Like, yeah. he's, like, trained military combat. Well, which is essentially enough... what he was doing. He was chase. he was, he was a cat with a mouse that yeah, he had he caught and he was playing with it. Yeah, he when he could stick his hard. head through the, when he could stick his head through the roof and, like, let's play uh, through a wall. Oh, hey, let's play a game. You know, it's like okay. He was essentially just trying to prove his superiority over oh, Deckard, yeah. and he did it. Yeah. <laughs> was there um, any scenes you guys liked from this movie? Oh, tons of them. Like the, I like the part of him eating the food, getting bothered with the like. That's a good food scene. That was a and great just... scene with like ordering two, but he could only get. No, ordering four, but he could only get two. And then he's uh-huh. like, hey, I just ordered food. Leave me the fuck alone. And then yeah. being like, oh, they're arresting you, bucko. <laughs> the scene, though, just the op- the opening sequence with uh, the, the the replicant sitting on the Tyrell chair getting interviewed and he's getting all flustered. He's getting all stressed out. I like he's- that. I like that scene of like, mm-hmm. where do you live? Wait, what? You know, and then just like, uh-huh. well, then he gets shot and then he flies like 400 feet. I hate oh, yeah. that shit. And like, they still do that in movies today where pe- uh-huh. they show people get shot and they like fly backwards. It's like, that's not, you don't fly. That's not how fucking physics works. <laughs> yeah, I know. It does look cool though. Uh, I will, the uh, writer of the book, uh, Philip K. Dick, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he didn't like the idea of the movie and he was against it for the longest time until um, he finally got to see where, like, the way it was going to go. And then they showed him like 20 minutes of the movie and he really liked it. So that turned him around. However, so, he did pass away before the rest of the movie was oh, filmed. Wow. So he couldn't fully see the whole movie. And the movie became thought, more iconic than his book did. And I thought every scene of like the big shots of the city just looked gorgeous. I, I like that. Like the futuristic kind of stuff. It reminded me. It, you know, but I hated the buildings being all sideways. I'm like, that's not how architecture works. <laughs> It reminded well, me of the in like, 2019 they did. <laughs> it reminded me of the cool like Star Wars shots where the like the like they were panning over us like a like a over the over the Death Star or a Star Destroyer or something. I thought like the models they used were great. And then I um, loved a lot of the world establishing shots, like just like Decker trying to run through a crowd and like how overcrowded and overpopulated the city was. It's yeah. LA, by the way, that they're in Los Angeles, yeah. not San Francisco, where the book was written yeah. or where the uh, book took place. Uh, Hmm? Go ahead. I'll let you finish. I was, gonna say, I was just going to continue to compliment the aesthetic of the movie. It seemed very like lived in and busy, and there was lots of like it was dense with stuff. You could tell that like stuff was piling on top of stuff. Yeah, so everyone's just kind of hoarding what they got. And yeah, the one point I was going to use with that, I got I got to bring up Eternals one more time because I watched those right next to each other. Also, is that Eternals felt so empty. There was like nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just those five people in Power Ranger suits talking to each other. And, Which is funny rooms. because it was shot by a director who's well known for her visuals. Yeah, I, I, Disney had their hand in the soup on that one. <laughs> Good soup. Uh, for many of the aerial no, shots, it was bad was... soup. Bad soup. <laughs> Plain soup. Plain soup. Plain soup. Uh, for many of the aerial shots of the city, all kinds of materials were used to simulate buildings in the city landscape, such as miniature spaceships from other science fiction science fiction movies. As an upright model, the Millennium Falcon from New Hope can be seen with some difficulty to the left of the police building as Rick uh, Deckard and Gaff uh, spinning is making their descent. When the, Asian, cool. when the Asian billboard is showing for the first time, a kitchen sink can be seen masquerading as a building in, in the far background of the shot. Uh, because some of the ministers were so high, they were often not enough room between models and ceilings to move the camera over the miniatures so special effects crew solved this by tilting the sets at an angle that's why sometimes this stuff stands up better than say movies from like the noughties or the early uh 10s where they just did cg for everything because the cg doesn't hold up (laughs) like i i say this in any movie we do and we bring up special effects and all that I will put up Terminator 2 against oh, any oh, yeah. movie and try to beat those special effects. They use models. They use the, you know, special effects. Well, if you go look at uh, Jeff Daniels and Ryan Reynolds, RIPD. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember that. What those, a fucking callback. Those are horrific, horrific CGI. Horrific stuff and if you, you go back to t2 that looks real because it's just models well the same thing with like your like the original the 1993 jurassic park looks better than the chris pratt jurassic park like visually just looks 
better and more convincing. <laughs> and it's why you've seen with some filmmakers going back to more practical effects, like with yeah. Mandalorian, like a lot of their oh, yeah. stuff is shot on that like crazy soundstage to where again, like they're doing the far off shots as being like mm-hmm. faker. Cause that's harder for the eye to discern, but like everything up close is real and practical because yeah. that just looks, it's also the way the original star Wars was done. So it looks like star Wars. Oh yeah. Mandalorian looks good. Yeah, but like I like you know we've said before we like the aerial shots we like the you know some of the things but it's just like for me that's what I feel like the movie is more known for because of that not because of the movie itself because like I said the movie for me is a, a, a just boring. I think the story. I think talking about it, I've. I've enjoyed talking about the movie far more than I enjoyed watching the movie. Yes. Um, Cause it's, Dude, there's a lot, there is a lot of stuff to talk about from the movie because it mm-hmm. is, you know, an artsy movie. It's just the movie itself, like doesn't quite hit the notes I'm looking for in this style. Mm-hmm. I I 100% agree. Do you think that maybe if they added maybe like one action scene, like a big, you know, five minute shootout explosion or just kind of like or just maybe the pace was up more i would have just preferred like more like deckard like i would have enjoyed more blade runner stuff like establish to me why blade runners are so important establish to me why deckard is so good at what he does over other people instead of just the chief of d's or whoever the fuck that wanker was (laughs) that just like forced him to come back in like prove to me why he's so good at what he is like nothing in the movie felt to me like proved why Deckard is like this great Blade Runner or like anything he did proves why he's like this ace detective as as the only one who can track down these replicants because it really did just feel like oh they killed that toy maker guy I guess I'll go check his apartment like it, nothing he did felt like groundbreaking detective work. I agree. Keith, in the book, did they say anything like that of why he's a, why they bring he's, him out of retirement kind of thing to be the Blade he's Runner? Not in again? retirement in the books. No, oh. he's not. He's trying to. He's just a worker. Just a just a working stiff in the in the book. But I think on the thing we were just talking about, I I kind of like that he's. They don't like. Sh- show Deckard's great worth because he doesn't really have great worth in my mind he's just like we live in this shitty police state everything sucks like the job they're doing is probably kind of useless like who cares and I think it's just like it's this like meditation on how crappy it is to be a human and how androids also have it or replicants also have it crappy so they're they're probably humans too but see that's why I would have liked like show why he's so good at what he does like Mm-hmm. give me that body count like establish why he's so burnt out why he's so pissed off why he left the police force to begin with why getting dragged back in is so terrible and like why it would be so like monumental for him to now take in a replicant and go on the run instead of just retiring her well maybe like i think maybe adding the wife character might have helped with that too because the, his, his like shitty relationship is a lot of his motivation in that because his wife just clearly hates his guts 
in the story and so like having so he's like maybe i can fix this if i like get a real animal for us and we'll have this thing to raise and it'll be our own little life yeah it's just, it's just like this, he's trying to cling on to these dreams that'll never happen that could have been a good scene for joe in the book there's a gruesome killing of a sheep love it of a real mm. sheep not a robot <laughs> sheep i can't say sheep got it <laughs> um but, but i mean i somehow never touched on just, i didn't have much of like i remember i this movie was always like part of the conversation about movies when i was younger but i like never just never got around to watching it it always this is like an adult ass movie it is <laughs> yes, it really it is. very much is <laughs> it it's like what we said in the beginning of the show it's kind of like when you think of like blade runner like it's in that talk you know the round you know like the same circle as like um star wars you know like all the movies harrison ford is more famous for star wars Indiana jones and all this and that it's just like i just don't for me being you know the fan of what i am i'm like i don't see that I would still say Blade Runner is like a top four memorable movie for him, though. People still like. Oh, yeah. For him, establish yes. Like the Harrison the Ford with Blade Runner. Yeah, the, for the him, yeah. She's a replicant scene. That was the. <laughs> that's... But for like, for me in like the Harrison Ford movies, it'd be, you know, it's like Star Wars and Air Jones, Six Days, Seven Nights. Um, yeah. Air Force One. Air Force One. <laughs> But like for me, get off like, my plane. It's like one oh, of those things. Be, I'll be, uh... I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I've seen it. I've seen Blade Runner. Will I watch it again? Oh no, 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 no. It's like what we were talking about with the Scream movies. Like, would you, would you go out of the way to watch Scream Two? Go out of the way to watch Scream Three? Probably I might before Blade Runner. Yes, before Blade Runner, I would. Well, I think Blade Runner, it's hard to grade Blade Runner in like rewatchability because it's just like this, it's like this piece of art that's sort of uncomfortable. And it's like just which just, I mean, I will say that's what good art is supposed to do, okay. is supposed to make you uncomfortable. Like with the things they are touching on, you're not supposed to just like this isn't supposed to be a popcorn flick. It's mm-hmm. supposed to make you think. And I thought it was going to be a popcorn flip because of what I've heard. And the, <laughs> the, the way, the way this build, it's billed as a popcorn flick, but it is not a popcorn flick. Yeah. And that makes me angry. <laughs> and I, I actually think there's fairness in that. I think they build it as a popcorn flick to try to like, hey, it's Harrison Ford in another action movie. Come watch it. Like you've watched the other Harrison Ford action movies. Like if this was actually billed as like this dark dystopian look on uh, slavery and what it means to be a person, then I could have been more prepared for that going in. I might I would have had the much more proper mindset and maybe have enjoyed the movie a little more. <laughs> and also, how awesome is the name Blade Runner for That's a movie? Fantastic name. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm going in thinking I'm just going to see this guy who's called a Blade Runner being a badass Blade Runner. To me, it like <laughs> to me, this should have been like, like to me, bit. it should have been like Mad Max, 
you know, Space uh, yeah, but it's not. It's just this. I'll be honest. This, I also thought Blade Runner didn't take place on Earth. I didn't realize that same. it was a movie on Earth. I thought we were going to be somewhere cool, not hey. L.A. Oh, speaking of L.A. in 2019, like, that that's kind of like Mad Max One. Like it was that movie's kind of boring. I mean, it's like Mad Max like, One's great. boring. <laughs> Mad Max is always it's all about it's all about it's all about two. <laughs> I, I'll enjoy doing that series too because I mean one is all about the establishment. Yep. It's like the Evil Dead movies or the fact that if you watch Evil Dead one and then you go to two, two's just a reshoot with this comedy. <laughs> I've, and I've then three is just fun. Yeah, one and two. You, if you watch one and then when you watch two, you're legit watching the same movie. Like God, the same fun to do for next Halloween is some of the original, like the George A. Romero zombie movies. Yeah. That would be fun to do next Halloween. But like yeah, good slow going zombies, the way zombies are supposed ooh, to be. Dawn of the Dead's a classic. Not like that Daisy movie piece of shit that's nothing like the book it was based on <laughs> that I that I own but refuse to watch. <laughs> oh, another classic Harrison Ford movie that I've watched once will never watch again because of how shitty it was. Ender's Game. Oh yeah, that that could have been better. I saw What Lies Beneath in the in the drive-in in California. <laughs> so what up? That's one thing I'm really. I thought that the pandemic was going to bring drive-ins back and i was it did for a all, minute but like i wanted like someone to really go all in and build like a nice actual like drive-in theater didn't get it you know because it because they did all the drive-ins like at a walmart or they did it at the fairgrounds yeah and then but it was only two movies well you know when i saw what lies beneath it was i saw what lies beneath and hollow man <laughs> wow oh, man weird wow three 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 screens down was x-men wow so i just watched x-men for my first time with no audio i was just like all right i'm going in <laughs> boys isn't it great to go to the theaters again though it's so nice oh it, was, it, it is. is fun it is so let's uh break down the budget for this movie well you guys want to take a guess for the budget yeah 1982, but there's a lot of effects that would have cost a lot of money for them. I'll say 27 million. 33. 28. Damn it! Look at us. We're good. Son of a bitch. So let's go to the gross. What would that be now? That would have to be in like the 50, 60 million dollar range. It'd probably be. 50 to 70 probably in that that range i guess we'll find out when we do blade runner uh, 2042 next week 49 sorry whatever uh, should yeah, be 69 yeah 2069 <laughs> nice <laughs> so um all serious and fucking dennis all up his own ass all about this is my movie 2069 <laughs> um the gross for this movie domestically it only got 32 million dollars covered its cost but not by much internationally though 8 million Oof. so combined with spare change about 41 million dollars uh, it, it was a cult it was a cult hit so it's it's not like a full bomb but it's not 
not probably what they were looking for. In my mind, it's one of those. If I'm looking at it, going, "Wow, 41 million for," okay, but like all these years later, I'm like, okay, you, you where where does the? It's just because it's the cult following. That's why it gets the sequel. Not yeah, because of the yeah, movie. Was, the, the sequel's like 40 years later made. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, it's just that, that weird thing. I'm like, I wonder why they do the sequel. But It's probably because like someone who the... loved the movie originally got into Hollywood finally and had the power and money to make it happen. Joe, that's funny. You remember that question when we were watching and talking about the next movie. Why they did the sequel? <laughs> Was that the question, Keith? That's all. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Just why? All right, cool. I will. <laughs> uh, before I go to the box office, Keith, do you have a, a uh, review from one Ebert? Oh yeah, he was very alive. I, I would uh, hope so in 1982. I don't. I, I don't have. I don't have the review in front of me because I'm unprepared and I'm a piece of shit and I'm not a predator. One thing you have one thing on this goddamn podcast, but I know the number and I know what he said about it, so I'm 69 percent prepared. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> but yeah he gave it a four out of four stars he gave it I a guess. four out of four yeah this does seem like an ebert movie but yeah. i guess he was this was for the final cut oh okay so i guess he was saying he didn't like it a ton when it first came like the, the first like the first theatrical cut and then he went back because i guess all of his like movie snob he, this is all in his article a bunch of his movie snob friends were like yo this is actually pretty good and then he was like, "All right, now I get it." Because <laughs> so when he saw the, like the, the the redone with the voiceover taken out and all that stuff, he was like, "Well, all right, yeah, this is perfect." Now I kind of want to watch the theatrical and see how much worse the movie supposedly yeah. was. So let's go to the box office for June twenty fifth through June twenty seventh of nineteen eighty two. I'm excited for this one. I'm not going to know any of this shit. No, me neither. <laughs> Coming in at number 10 in its fourth week with $2 million. Bambi. Holy shit. Wow. God, yeah. I mean, okay. Bunch Bambi. of people crying in the theater because Bambi's mom just got fucking shot. Crying like little babies. <laughs> Coming in at number nine in its first week with $2.5 million. Megaforce. The fuck is Megaforce? Um, it's a movie that like um Mystery Science Theater 3000 spoofs. Hmm. It looks fantastic. Mega I, I like the name of it. It has Barry Bostic in it. Yeah, and yeah, it's, look, it's um um yes, it's a 3.7 on IMDB. Oof. Yep, Megaforce. Uh, coming in at number eight in its first week with three point one million. The Thing. Oh shit! And the Thing came out that year. Yep. I watched that for the first time a couple years ago. Also, I was I had a, I had a little stint of watching like the good early eighties sci fi movies. Yeah. Coming in at number seven in its fourth week with four point two million. Poltergeist. Shit. What a year. God damn. Coming in at number six in its sixth week with four point five million. Annie. <laughs> nice. I mean, still a classic. Oh, yeah. Un- undeniable. Even if Jamie Foxx, for some reason, had to put himself in a new one of it. <laughs> Coming in number five in its fifth week with 4.5 million, some change. 
Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. Oof, holy like the best shit! One. Oh, I gotta uh, throw in a thing real quick. You just mentioned Star Trek. I was this episode reminded me of the there was a Next Generation episode where Data goes on trial and he has to defend whether or not that. Uh, oh yeah, he's an actual like person. Yeah, whether or not he's a person, what makes a man or something. Yeah, great, great scene. God, Keith, I didn't know you like Star Trek enough to have actually watched Next Generation. <laughs> Well, I just I've seen bits of it, but that scene that episode's kind of famous, I guess. So that that like scene popped into my head. So I I YouTubed it this morning. Nice. I used to watch uh, Next Generation during on when I lived in California because it was like that, and then Living Color was on back to back, and Cheers was there too. So it was like all that was like my Monday through Friday. And I mean, everyone occasionally would watch an episode on the TV channel that was made for men, Spike TV. Oh my god, Spike Uh, TV. Coming in at number four in its fifth week with five million dollars, Rocky Three. That's is that a good one? I'm pretty. That's Mr. T. Yeah, that's not. It's there. It's kind of a there (laughs) one. Coming in the Rocky hierarchy would be four, two, one. That one. I would. I I know he listens to the show, but I'll let you know now that one, Mr. Booble believes three is the best one. Oof. Yeah, Booble has terrible taste. <laughs> you heard it first, Booble. <laughs> Coming in at number three in its second week with 5.1 million, Firefox. It's a movie with uh, Clint Eastwood. He's a pilot sent to the Soviet Union on a mission to steal a prototype jet fighter. You know, I'm going to go out and see this movie. No, that sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it has Clint Eastwood, so it looks weird. A young Him Clint Eastwood. That sounds dope. I don't know. Uh, Clint Eastwood called? looks old at all times. Uh, Firefox. All right, I'm, I'm putting that down in mine. You can watch was... it on Prime Video. Okay. But you gotta, so it's got a six on IMDb, a 43 on Rotten Tomato. Oh, that means it's good. <laughs> so coming in at number two in its first week with six million dollars, Blade Runner came in two. So that means coming in at number one with its in week three with $13 million. ET. Holy fuck, dude. That list of movies is insane. I've seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the movies. I haven't seen Firefox. I haven't seen whatever that Mega Force. Mega Force. Because uh, I've, I've seen, I've seen Annie, seen I've seen ET. The thing I've seen enough of. No, I haven't seen the thing yet. That's, you've seen I at least not... you've seen at least like five. You've seen five oh, yeah. or six. So you're like, well, hopefully by the end of tonight, I will have seen Firefox. That's kind of my God. goal now. Awesome. <laughs> Keith, <laughs> this was Don't written, forget... directed, and produced by Clint Eastwood. Oh, oh my! You directed it. Yep. <laughs> yes, you did, Keith. This is exciting. Damn, that movie made good money. It made forty-six million against a budget of twenty-one. Are we talking Firefox? Yeah. Are we gonna do a whole spin-off podcast about Firefox? I kind of. Week? Oh my god, Keith! Look up the fucking poster for it. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cool looking. Oh yeah. No, this is a this is just the kind of movie we need. In what? In what times? In these, these times. These. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, this is the one drawback of the reading the top 10 in the box office <laughs> is that Keith and I can get easily distracted by it. I know, it's my favorite part. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, let's go to the ratings, shall we? IMDb gives Blade Runner an 8.1 out of 10. Uh, Ron Tomato, all critics give this a 90. Top critics give this an 86. And audience gives this a 91. So we're going to, you know, we normally do our rankings. Uh, for this, we do best Blade Runner because there's a different in the sequel. Best villain and best looking vibe. However, since this is the first movie, they all go down the slot. One, one, one. So um, let's go to one of the key things he does with those miners. Let's glaze some stars. Star glazing time. Okay, I've been uh, I've, I've been stressing out about this. You're not gonna let Rick do his glaze thing, or uh... Hold on, I had no, a I've... new one too. This oh. movie's like a donut, soft, curvy, and about to be glazed and filled with cream. I don't know how I feel about this one. <laughs> like, I, am I turned on? Yeah, maybe. Call me, uh, call me Rachel Rosen, because I'm about to be full of cream. So is this is your bit just being bad at bits? Is that what your bit is? Is that what we've established? That's also a good bit, isn't it? Like the that you're just really bad at bits. Yeah, I'm the bit guy. Who's bad at them? (laughs) It's my bit. (laughs) No, anyways. Um. Oh, this is stressful. This five stars doing it. Wow. I mean, that is Keith's first five star movie. It's Blade Runner. It's like this movie's like smarter than me. Like I'm not gonna like choose to re like rewatchability. It's not a great score. I don't. I really want to watch Blade Runner all that often. But like, god damn it, it like looks great. Love all the characters. It's stressful. It's kind of like it's yes, it's stressful. It's gloomy. It's very depressing. If you want to feel depressed, this is a good movie to watch. I mean, if you want to feel depressed because you're bored. <laughs> Uh, I'm coming in at a three. It's just there wasn't enough there to hook me. It's I've had much more fun talking about it, but as a movie, eh. I'm going on down to a two. Whoa. We're going to make some people very mad if we ever become famous. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe gave Blade Runner four out of ten. <laughs> we just rated Blade Runner worse than Scream 4. Nice. How does it rate? It's it comes in at a 3.3. Nice. That's that's worse than most of the Fast and Furious is. <laughs> uh, that's not true. Oh, really? Uh, it's worse than one, two, three of the Fast and Furiouses. That's hilarious. Um, so this Sorry, brings four, the- four of the Fast oh, and Furiouses. Four. Snap. So we move on to our next Blade Runner, the sequel to first. We're going to do Blade Runner 2049, came out in 2017. Is it 20? I have it written down as 2042. 2049. 49. 49. I'm looking at the IMDb. Where did I get the final from? The the Villeneuve final cut is actually 2069. Hello. Hello. So, uh, Get ready for that for next week's show. Uh, 
you can go to uh, No Cell Entertainment. Am I forgetting anything? I feel like I am before I close this off. No, Glaze Stars. We Glaze ranked Stars everything a one. Oh, let's well, so an Apex Predator. Since we are, uh, yeah, that's true. Since he's an Apex Predator and Paul Rudd is the sexiest man alive. Good we were job, very Paul. excited about that. I wasn't like, I wasn't really sure how to. I'm like, okay. I mean, he's a very attractive man. He's the sexiest man alive. Why are you so the, excited about this? I think the studio behind Ghostbusters paid for it to help promote Ghostbusters. There it is. Keith, are you telling me that people's <laughs> list of sexiest man might not be the most above board thing in the world? It's not. He's not empirically the sexiest man <laughs> on the planet. I mean, no, you are. Yeah, it's, you it's predator, and, you. It's me and Paul Rudd and Daryl Hannah's stunt double. Well, you can go to nocellentainment.com to see the side-by-side photos, and you can vote who's the truly sexiest man alive between Keith Sweatland, Paul Rudd, and Daryl Hannah's man stunt double. Oh, and go go to uh, stuntdoubles.com, type in uh, fake movie experts to get 10% off your next stunt double. Only applicable in New Guinea. Yeah, so if you're all, all you film students out in New Guinea and you're going to do a scene uh, jumping on roofs, give me a shout. Give me TikTok shout. it, you know, and shout them out. <laughs> kind of like always. I feel so old right now. It's lit. You can lit, you can lit yourself to go to nocellentainment.com. And like always, you can listen to all of our podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. So which one of us is going to slam a door and threaten our uh, significant other to kiss them and like it? Oh, Keith. (laughs) Bruh.